Well, good morning, church family. What better way uh, to begin our discussion about joy than to hear uh, our worship team lead in such a, a presentation of the worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thankful for our worship team. Thankful for Brother Evan and his leadership. Thankful uh, that we get to sing about the joy that we have in Jesus. Thank you to the Hagans and their family for uh, lighting our candle this morning and reading our scripture. As you uh, have heard a lot already and have guessed it, we will be thinking about Christmas through the lens of the word joy. If you have a Bible, I would invite you to open it to Luke chapter number two, the gospel of Luke chapter number two. As you turn there, I was reading this week about a story from the Great Depression. It was about a family, like many other families, who all they had uh, money-wise was what they needed for bare necessities. They had nothing extra. They had nothing else. Anyway, the uh, family that was talked about had a young son who heard about the circus. Uh, the circus was uh, coming to town, and the cost of the ticket was only $1.00. And so the little boy came running home excited and eager to get the money from his dad to purchase a ticket so he could go to the circus. However, the father of the, the young boy regretfully told his son that he couldn't provide him with that much money. I know it was just a dollar, uh, but at that time they didn't have any excess. And so the father had no way to provide the money for the ticket that the young boy wanted. However, the dad told him that there was probably some various jobs that the little boy could find. And he, if he worked hard enough, he could probably raise enough money to buy a ticket for the circus. Now, the dad went a little bit further. He said, son, whatever money you can raise, you can work for. I will match whatever it is that you come up with so that we can get a ticket for you uh, for the circus. So the boy did exactly what his father said. He worked as hard as he could. And just a few days before the circus, he found that he had just enough, including what his dad contributed. He had just enough to buy a ticket for the circus. So he took the money, he ran off to town, and he got his ticket for the circus that was to come. Of course, he was excited. The day finally came where the circus came to town. He grabbed his ticket and he rushed down to Main Street where he stood on the curb as the circus parade went by. Circus was setting up that night. The town was in an uproar and the little boy was excited to have his spot to watch the parade. He was thrilled as the clowns came by, the elephants came by, all sorts of different performers uh, came by walking down the street. A clown came dancing over to him, and the boy, in all of his excitement, put his ticket into the clown's hand and continued to watch eagerly as the rest of the parade went by. After the parade, the boy rushed home, told his father that he had been to the circus and how much fun it was. The father, surprised that the little boy had already come home, asked him to describe the circus. The boy told of the parade that went down Main Street, and he told about giving his ticket to the clown. The father sadly took his son in his arms, and he said, Son, unfortunately, you didn't see the circus. All you saw was the parade. The little boy lost his ticket that day, didn't get to see what actually he had bought a ticket for. I thought as I was reading that story how sad this moment must have been. I'm sure the parade was awesome. I'm sure it was exciting. I'm sure the little boy had a good time and made some great memories. But as good, as great as the parade might have been, 
His dad knew that it was nothing compared to what the boy would have experienced at the actual circus. He said, Danny, why are you telling us this old story? Well, really, I'm only telling you this story because it reminded me of what many people, even myself, have experienced during the Christmas season. We oftentimes can get so caught up in everything else, right? We can get caught up in the carols and the trees and the lights and the gifts. We can get caught up in the parade that is Christmas that we miss the true joy, the source that Christmas has. What's even worse is that most of the things that distract us from the true joy of Christmas aren't even bad things. We have decorations that have to be put out. We have shopping lists that have to be put together, family schedules to work around. We've got to go to this side of the family and that side of the family. We have Christmas parties to attend. We have gifts to purchase. These things are great. I love these things. You love these things. But because of all these different things that need to get done around Christmas, how many of us are just like this little boy? How many of us think we're experiencing what Christmas is all about, but really all we're doing is seeing the parade and missing the main event, missing the true joy of Christmas? Well, this morning, from the text that we've already read in Luke chapter two, I want us, as Christmas is quickly approaching, to remember the real joy of Christmas. I want us to reflect on and remember what the angel announced to a group of shepherds on that very first Christmas night. So listen, if you're with me, And you think, you know what, I often too get caught up in the chaos that I miss what actually happened. Then let me tell you something, today is a great day for you to be here. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse number 8, just a, a small portion of what we've read this morning. It's a familiar account. You will know it. Here's what Luke records. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Father, will you bless your word this morning? We pray right now that you will speak directly to our hearts, our lives. Father, we pray that you will use your word to speak to us as we seek to live in obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as I think about Advent, and you probably do as well, it is certainly an opportunity for God's people, not just God's people, but the entire world to reflect on the true source of joy. Now, not just any joy, Luke records great joy. For many, Christmas might bring joy for any number of reasons. You might think of time with family and how joyous that occasion is, at least if you have an awesome family like mine. You may not, I don't know, but maybe it's time with family that makes you think about joy. Maybe it's a break from work or a break from school. We would certainly all agree that that is a joyous occasion. It might be presents, right? Certainly every kid in the room this morning would would think, why can't we have presents at every holiday break? I don't understand, right? Like it might be any of those things that bring you joy. And here's the truth. None of that is wrong. In fact, you probably love those things. I also love those things. But the angel isn't talking about that kind of joy. The angel is talking about what Luke writes as great 
joy. No matter what awesome gifts you may have wrapped and waiting for you under a tree, they're nothing compared to the gift of God wrapped in swaddling cloths, preparing to be placed not under a tree, but on a tree for both you and for me. Why would the angel of the Lord call Jesus great joy? Well, I'm certainly glad that you asked that question this morning. I think from this account with the shepherds, we learned several things about what great joy is and why Christmas brings it. Let me show you the first reason. We have great joy because of the meaning of Christmas. We have great joy because of the meaning of Christmas. When the angel appeared to the shepherds, we're told that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Is this not the reason for all things? Is this not the goal of all of creation, including you and including me? Is it not the goal for all things to bring glory to God? Well, friends, Christmas is no different. The goal is that God would receive glory. Think of those shepherds as Luke writes, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now picture this field that they're in, filled with the glorious light, the Shekinah glory of God. In fact, listen to how John Phillips puts this moment. He says, suddenly the field was ablaze with light. Luke describes the light as the glory of the Lord, which suggests that they were bathed in the Shekinah glory, the light of another world, the light that heralded the divine presence of God. Imagine that moment as the glory of the Lord shone all around them. Now, there are plenty of moments in the Bible, especially up until this point, where God's glory has been made known to his people. In fact, there are moments where God actually showed himself to people. But were any of these moments the greatest display of God's glory? I would say they weren't. You say, Danny, you sure? Absolutely. And we can think about some incredible moments. I'll give you a couple of examples. Think about the display of God's glory in creation. The fact that our God created the world and all that's in it is certainly a testimony to his greatness and to his glory. But even as awesome as creation was, it wasn't his greatest display of his glory. Think about the display of God's glory in his mighty warriors or his mighty conquests of the past. You might think about the plagues that freed the Hebrews from Egypt. You might think about the walls of Jericho falling or Shamgar defeating 600 Philistines with an ox goad, whatever an ox goad is. You might think about Gideon defeating the Midianites with only 300 men or Samson defeating a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. In fact, you might think about that little shepherd boy by the name of David defeating the mighty giant Goliath. How incredible these moments must have been. But listen to me, friends, none of those moments were the greatest display of God's glory. You might think about the display of God's glory and all the incredible miracles of the past. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Well, you might think about the burning bush or the parting of the Red Sea or manna sent down from heaven or water being produced from a rock. You might think Think about the moment that God made the sun stand still and time itself was stopped. You might think about Naaman's leprosy being miraculously healed. You might think about Balaam's donkey speaking or the widow's oil being multiplied. In fact, you might think about Daniel and his friends being saved from a fiery furnace or the great lion's den. But listen, as great as those moments were, 
None of those compare to the greatest display of God's glory. You say, Danny, if none of those things were the greatest display of God's glory, what then is the greatest display? Well, I bet you can guess it. The greatest display of the glory of God came the moment that Jesus was born on this earth. Friends, when that angel appeared and said those words to those shepherds, here's what he was saying. Jesus is the glory of God and you will get to experience it. Listen to what John wrote in John chapter 1 verse 14. He wrote, and the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, because of the glory of God being presented through that baby, through Jesus, it's no surprise why shortly after this moment, a chorus of angels would burst forth in song, singing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's no surprise why the shepherds left their encounter with baby Jesus the way that they did. Here's what Luke told us in chapter 2, verse 20, and the shepherds returned, listen, glorifying and praising God. Why would they do this? Because they experienced the meaning of Christmas. You say, Danny, what do you mean? They experienced the glory of the Lord in a way that we can't even imagine. As a matter of fact, let me give you a greater picture of this moment. Those shepherds responded like each of us would probably respond when encountering the glory of God. Did you catch what they did? Here's what it says. They were filled with great fear. Literally, here's how this verse should be translated. They feared a great fear. Why would they be afraid? Because when sinful man is introduced to the glory and goodness of a holy God, all we can do is be afraid of the judgment we deserve. It's just like the prophet Isaiah said when he experienced the glory of the Lord. Listen to what he wrote. He said, woe is me. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Why does he feel this way? Here's what he said. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. They too were afraid when the glory of the Lord shone around them. Yet the angel tells them, fear not, don't be afraid. Why? Well, not only because we have great joy, because of the meaning of Christmas, but we have great joy because of the message of Christmas. I love this moment, fear not. Here's why, because the angel told the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy. Listen, that phrase, I bring you good news, is the same word used in the New Testament for evangelizing, or the verb form of the word evangelism. Literally, the angel said, I evangelize to you of great joy. Now the word for good news is the same word that we translate as gospel. That's what the good news was. That's what the good news is. It's the message of Jesus. It is the gospel. Think about this for a moment. That's what the angels were doing. They were telling, they were sharing, they were proclaiming, evangelizing about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ the Lord. In these moments, 
Just before the angel appears to these shepherds, the gospel has been born on this earth. The glory of the Lord has been presented in perfect form through the baby Jesus Christ. Listen, their message is clear. It's the same message that the world needs to hear today and each of us needs to share. Here's what the angel said. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, don't miss it, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus, the Savior of the world, has come. Think about those shepherds for a moment. Luke writes that they were keeping watch over their flock by night. Now listen, they're on a hillside outside of Jerusalem, outside of Bethlehem. It's not like the fancy lights that we have on the streets here in Saltillo. No, no, no. When it's night, it is dark. You can't see your hand in front of your face. Maybe at one point in time, they had a fire lit and they could see a little bit, but most likely at this moment, there is nothing but darkness. Now listen, friends, is that not a picture of all of mankind before God's glory was revealed through Jesus? Was this not the case for us, each of us, before that first Christmas night when the glory of God was born? In fact, this is what Zechariah prophesied about his own son, John the Baptist, just a few verses before this moment. Let me read it to you. This is in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah says, and you, child, talking about John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Why? Listen to what he says. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of, listen, salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus will bring salvation and forgiveness for their sins. But he goes on. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, listen to this, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Can you imagine that prophecy coming uh, full circle as those shepherds are in the blackness of night and the light of the Lord shines around them and they receive for the very first time the gospel, the good news about Jesus. It was a message of salvation, a message to give light to those who sit in darkness. Praise God. Listen to me. The message of Christmas is a rescue message. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Well, suppose I were standing in a long line at the bank. Anybody had to do that before? You've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally it's about to be your turn. Imagine the bank or wherever you might be, you've been in this long line, and you rushed in and you grabbed my arm. I've been waiting there for a while. You come in, you grab me by the arm, and you drag me out of the bank. Now listen, I'm not very appreciative of that in that moment. As a matter of fact, I might even shout to you, what do you think you're doing? You have lost your mind. I have been waiting forever, and now you've pulled me out of the bank. And you might say to me, well, Danny, I'm saving you from the bank. Well, I would say, that's very nice of you, but I don't need saving. I'm not in any danger. You tore my shirt, you hurt my arm, and even worse, you made me lose my place in line that I've been waiting for for hours. I would not be very grateful to you in that moment. You might agree if it was you. But 
Suppose that a mob of terrorists had just taken me hostage in the bank and you rushed in and you got me safely out of the bank. In that case, I would be most grateful. Even if you tore my shirt, even if you hurt my arm, even if you made me lose my place in line that I had been waiting in for hours, I would be grateful. Why? What's the difference between the two? Well, in the first instance, there was no perceived danger. But in the second instance, I was in grave danger and I knew that if someone didn't save me, I was doomed. This is the message of Christmas, one of salvation, one of rescue. Friends, listen to me. We've been taken hostage by a great enemy. We've been chained down by sin, but there's one who comes to set us free. There's one who has come to rescue us from our sins. In fact, Jesus's name means Savior. Do you remember this moment when the angel told Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. That is the message of Christmas. That is the joy we receive with Jesus being born to this earth. Imagine for a moment those shepherds who were in the fields tending to sheep that, by the way, as tradition holds, were to be used for sacrifices at the temple. Imagine that. They're on the outskirts of Jerusalem. They've been preparing what will be the perfect spotless lambs to be sacrificed for the sins of their people. What they didn't know was that they were about to hear about the ultimate sacrifice that would make their very role, their very job on that hillside obsolete forever. That is the message of Christmas. Jesus, a savior, has been born. Listen, those angels don't just bring joy in that moment. They bring great joy. You say, Danny, why? Well, because of the meaning of Christmas, the glory of the Lord being born in Jesus. Because of the message of Christmas, there is a savior, forgiveness for our sins. But listen to this. We also have great joy because of the mission of Christmas. You say, Danny, what are you talking about? The angel tells the shepherds that this great joy, listen to it, will be for all the people. You know what I thought about when I read that moment? All I could hear was the apostle Paul echoing this truth in Romans chapter 10. Listen to what he wrote. He said, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Now listen to this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You say, Danny, how do we know this message is for all people? Well, I believe the shepherds themselves are an example of the message of Jesus being for all people. You say, what do you mean? Why share the message of great joy and great importance to a group of lowly shepherds? Shepherds didn't have high standing in their society. This is the best news, the greatest news that the world would ever receive. Why not bring it to the greatest leaders, minds, voices of their generation to proclaim it to the masses? Why not bring it to them instead of lowly shepherds? Well, I read this this past week. Listen to what 
This commentary writer says, God sent word of his son's birth first to people most likely to welcome the news of the Messiah, people who wanted a savior. He gives a few examples of leaders of that time. Augustus held a firm grip on much of the known world. So his immense power blinded him to his own need. It couldn't go to him. Herod the Great strutted around the marble floors of his Roman-style palace, at once complacent in his achievements, yet paranoid of potential enemies around him. According to the Gospel of Matthew, Herod considered the Messiah a political rival and tried to have him assassinated. So obviously, with that type of opinion of the coming Messiah, he would not have received this news with great joy. The religious authorities, right? The leaders in their own religion who ruled the temple under the puppet master Annas wanted a Messiah to affirm their hypocrisy and to advance their political agenda. So once again, they would not have received the news of his humble birth. So God presents the message to a group of men that would receive it. I love how Paul put it in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Listen to this. He wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and also to the Greek. You know what we know about these shepherds? They would believe. They would receive the message. They would follow their Savior. In fact, for them, this news would be great joy. You say, okay, Danny. Why does the angel call it great joy? Well, certainly because of the meaning of Christmas. It is a representation of the greatest moment of God's glory being revealed to us. Also because of the message of Christmas, a savior we can be made right with God because Jesus died in our place. He brings forgiveness for our sins. But also friends, this is where it's beautiful, the mission, Christmas. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how low, how high, what your status is in this world, none of it matters. What matters is that Jesus came for all. Friends, if that joy doesn't well up in your heart right now, then I'm afraid you might be missing, you might be missing the true joy of Christmas. You might be satisfied with the parade and you might miss the main event. Friends, I don't know where you are today, but I pray that is not you. I pray you too will hear this news and follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, I recently read an article that gave a description of what this great joy might be, what the great joy was that the angel was talking about on that first Christmas night. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Well, here's what the writer said. He said, first of all, I want you to think about it as great joy because of the height of the joy that we receive. You say, what do you mean? Think about those angels as high up as you can possibly think around the very throne of God, a chorus singing glory to God in the highest. That is the heights of the great joy we experienced at Christmas. But listen, don't even just think about the heights, think about the depths. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Not only is it as high as the angels singing in that chorus, it's as low as those low lowly peasant shepherds who also come back after experiencing Jesus, praising and glorifying God. He says, listen, we can think about it as great joy because of its great heights. We can think of it as great joy because of its great depths. But he also says, hey, don't miss this, friends. 
It's also great joy because of its great length. You say, Danny, what do you mean? It is for all people. Think about that for a moment. Why wouldn't that bring great joy to the masses? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be something you're not. Your family, your status, your money, your lack thereof, none of it matters when it comes to the joy of Christmas. Why? Because though it is so high, it reaches down to the lowest people on this earth, to sinners like you and me. Friend, I wonder if you're like me. We read about these accounts of Christmas and we know every detail to every story. We go through the same motions that we go through every year. We've got all of our plans. We've got all of our family get-togethers. We've got all the gifts we're gonna buy. We have our traditions that we celebrate as a family and all those things are good. But listen to me, friend. Do you, like me, often get lost in all that chaos that you forget the true joy of Christmas? Friends, we celebrate what we celebrate, not because of any of the other things that have been mentioned, not that they're bad, but we celebrate because of Jesus. That's it, that's the reason. We're in this room today because of Jesus. We're a community of believers because of Jesus. We have a plan and purpose in our lives because of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So here's what I'd leave you with this morning. Friend, if you don't know him, if you don't know the true joy that we experience from a life surrendered to Christ, from a life that's been forgiven of our sin, from a life that receives the payment of Jesus. Listen, we can't talk about the cradle without talking about the cross. You can't separate them. His birth also represents his death. Friend, if you don't know Jesus, the greatest joy you could ever experience can happen today. As a matter of fact, in just a moment, I'm gonna pray and then I'll be standing back in that lobby. Other staff members will be in that lobby. Other people will be in that lobby. And if you need to talk to somebody about giving your life to Jesus, friend, listen to me. I don't care what I'm doing. The coffee's not good enough. I will take my Bible and I'll tell you how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. Today, you can experience the joy that we experience in Christmas. You can experience Jesus. But listen, I know most of you already have and praise God for that. Glad you're here to worship together collectively as we go from here to continue to serve Jesus. Praise God, we're a collection of believers meeting today. But I bet sometimes even the best of believers get trapped in the chaos of Christmas. So maybe today, the Lord wants to remind you of the joy that you have in him. Maybe today for the very first time in this season and before it gets even crazier, Maybe the Lord's asking you to take a moment and reflect and remember the joy that we have in Jesus. Remember that we celebrate because of him and nothing else. Listen, this altar's open this morning. If you wanna come and pray, you're welcome to do so. Once again, I'll be in the lobby. If you just need prayer, I'd love to pray with you, but here's what you need to know that's way better than any of that. You don't need me, you need him. So why don't you today respond as he desires for you to respond as we remember what Christmas is really about. Let me pray for us.